welcome to Not Just Pretty Faces, the podcast that celebrates women who are killing it. I'm so excited to share the stories of the women who have put their skills to the test and are working their way to the top of their game, if they're not already there. These women are brilliant, funny, and full of powerful magic. They are not just pretty faces. Hi, I'm Marina Jensen, your host and a mental fitness and resilience coach, an advocate for being experience-informed, and I help women have more success, better relationships, and less stress, which gives them more happiness in their lives. Let's get started with today's episode. Good morning, everybody, and today is another episode of Not Just Pretty Faces, the podcast that is all about women who are killing it in their industries. They are magical, they are brilliant, they are everything that women are. So today we have my friend, Angie Chaplin, and she is a mindful leadership and mindful recovery coach. And Angie, I've got some quick questions for you, and then I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Sounds great. Yes. So the first question is, where are you from? I was born in Decorah, Iowa, and grew up there, then went to college in Northwest Iowa and raised my kiddos in Waverly, Iowa. Nice. Where do you currently live? Right now, I am splitting my time between Cedar Rapids and Des Moines. Okay. And who do you text the most? My children, both of my sons who are in college every single day. I love it. A favorite trip that you've taken? Wow. Unfortunately, I have to go a ways back just because of the pause put on a lot of traveling. I would say one of my favorite trips was to Arizona for the Leadership Challenge an annual conference. And the reason that sticks out in my mind is because my dad was able to go along with me and he is one of my personal leadership heroes. So to involve him in that opportunity and give him the chance to connect with some of my other personal and professional leadership heroes was a real treat. Mm, I love that for you. How do you self-care? Yoga, mindfulness, and mindfulness for me is expressed in a variety of different ways. I used to think that mindfulness was only something that could be engaged in while seated cross-legged on the floor with some weird sounds coming out of one's mouth. And I have since learned that mindfulness can be practiced in a wide variety of ways. So mindfulness is key for my self-care as well as some type of mindful movement physical activity, taking a walk, something that keeps my mind and my body and my spirit moving in a positive forward motion. Fantastic. I love that. Tell us a little bit about you, your work, who you are as a human. What should we I, know? Uh, I am, um, I think the best thing that describes me is that I am a sober mom and a sober leader. And for me, mom and leadership go hand in hand because to be a 
a present engaged mother means demonstrating leadership qualities and characteristics. The sober adjective that I add is something relatively new um, as of 630 some days ago is when I pursued and was successful in pursuing freedom from alcohol after a struggle for more than 10 years with alcohol use. So my children were experienced in knowing the effects of alcohol on the type of leader and the type of, of mom I was at times in my life. And they are now, as we are experiencing what me as a sober mom and a sober leader looks like. And life on this side of addiction is definitely much, much better and brighter and more beautiful than I think any of us ever imagined. And to be able to share pieces of both of those journeys, my leadership journey and my sober leadership journey has been empowering for me, but also to be able to see and celebrate the light in other people when they reach reach the stage of knowing that they deserve more for themselves. And that might be the first time they're seeing their leadership light or being told that they are worthy of seeing themselves as a leader and being able to express everything, all of their gifts, whether it's leadership or sobriety, I truly believe that we already have within us what we need to be successful in both of those areas. Sometimes for reasons beyond our com complete control, that light is dimmed and it might take another individual or a set of circumstances to really unleash that light and liberate the sober person the leader, really, we're liberating that sense of being from within so that we can share that light with others. I think that's absolutely beautiful, accurate, and amazing. <laughs> Thank you. It, it truly is a journey. And I learn as much from the wonderful individuals whose spirit enlightens me. And it, it very much is a reciprocal relationship where what I'm able to share of my story with other people encourages them to share pieces of their story and their journeys with me. And regardless of where we're at in our leadership journey or in our recovery journey, regardless of what we're recovering from, we are all here to cheer and support and celebrate and honor each other. And being able to do that just allows me to experience the gifts and the, the energy that I get from other people when yeah. they're walking my journey along with me. You said something very interesting there, regardless of, of um, and how you worded, worded it just now, I'm my mind just completely lost it, but the correlation between recovery and leadership, um, you said, whatever it is they're recovering from. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I, can you talk a little bit more about that 
that piece of it? Like, what are some of the things that, because when people hear about recovery or being sober, they, they automatically, let's just go with recovery first. They Mm -hmm. automatically think it has something to do with drugs and or alcohol. Right. But this is not, I think your intention probably is more for that. Am I correct in that? One of the areas, yes. Typically there's more than one thing, if we call it a thing that we're recovering right. from. Right. So the the question that I have is what are some other things that people have to recover from? <laughs> Certainly we've seen this very obviously over the past 20 plus months in terms of the pandemic, you know, recovering from transitions. For many of us, that meant work transitions. We shift from going to our office every day and getting our work done to all of a sudden, everyone is home doing work, taking classes, going to school in the home. And that is completely, that was a huge transition for so many people. And so there's still that transition of what does that look like going to perhaps a hybrid work transition. So it could be, you know, work transitions. It could be unhealthy relationships, whether that's with people or with substances. That could be an impact of something that we're recovering from. We could be experiencing our own health or medical conditions that require us to recover. That could be emotional trauma that we're recovering from. And so for me, there really is a bigger picture when it comes to recovery. Of course, in my specific instance, it was alcohol addiction, but there's other situations where people are recovering from a job loss or recovering from the uh, relocation, moving to a completely new city. There's, there's lots of big, small, and medium-sized situations that we're recovering from at any given moment in time. Absolutely. I could not agree with that statement more. (laughs) Um, There was something else that you said that was interesting about, um, uh, again, why is my brain doing this today? Why am I like this? Um, The question that I have regarding something that you said was um, you had things that you needed to recover from as well. Your uh, alcohol use was, was one of those things. Do you think that there is something that led you to down that path that had you recovered from that prior, this part of the journey wouldn't have happened? It's hard for me to look at it that way, because if I do, then I get caught up in my own guilt and shame over, Mm -hmm. well, I should have caught this sooner, or I should have practiced self-care earlier. The way that I choose to look at it is somewhat of a cause and effect. Mm -hmm. Because these things happened in the past, I then learned these new skills that are helping me be successful now, and I can practice these skills to similar situations that will require me to cope differently in the future. So I look at it that way as because this happened, I learned this 
And now I can do this differently if this happens again. I do think that there were circumstances and situations where I didn't have the inner strength I needed to recognize what was happening to me. And that was mostly an emotional process that I needed to go through. And what I will share with individuals that I work with in the recovery community is that choosing to get sober is so much more than not drinking. And once we understand that the alcohol use or the addictive behavior, whatever that might be, once we realize that that is the symptom, not the source, then we're able to more deeply integrate strategies to help us successfully remove the symptom. So for me, that looked like a lack of self-worth. That looked like emotional trauma. That looked like a lack of self-esteem. So for me, there was a lot of all that inner stuff that I had to deal with Mm -hmm. and not drinking still meant I had to deal with all that inner stuff. Yeah. Because there's going to be situations in all of, on all of my lives, whether that's at home, at work, just out in life in general, where I'm going to feel a lack of self-esteem or I'm going to feel emotionally traumatized by something. So if I don't practice skills to keep those under control, then that's when the addictive behaviors become more tempting. So when I say, you know, it's about so much more than not drinking, that's peeling back the layers of the onion that I, I talk about in my work with others. Yeah. I wrote that down. So when I, when I share this, the link to this, I'm going to put that as a, as a quote from our conversation today. Um, and, and also our society is very, very much normalizes alcohol. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. I mean, there, there are so many memes and events and, and everything that's like, this is mommy juice or, you, you know, if there's, it's just so normal, um, for, for mm-hmm. most of the world, not and only normalizes, but glamorizes yes, and penalizes those who choose not to. Yes. Absolutely. It, it, it's, it fast, like the human psyche just fascinates me anyway. Oh, I hear you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So I, I don't want to go down that path because I could really go down that path. Yes. But. <laughs> yes. Me too. Me too. We'd yes. be here hours later, still talking about it. <laughs> right. I know. Um, there was an event that you were going to at a winery, um, not that long ago, sometime this yes, summer. Yes, That was in August. Yeah. yeah. And I remember a post that you had made on Facebook about um, about going to this event at the winery. And I loved that your son had, that you had sent this, you posted the picture or said that your son had texted you that mom, you can do hard things. Yes. I thought that was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So how was that event at the winery? 
It was fantastic. And it was, it was filled with strong, powerful, it was about, uh, it was from Fear, Fearless was the event. And Fearless is a publication that the Des Moines Business Record puts out. So it was honoring these women of influence. So I was surrounded by strong, influential, positive women. And what I quickly realized is the winery was just the place. It was just the yep. environment. And even though I still have to become more comfortable with being around alcohol and being around people who are drinking, that was such a small piece of that event. Mm -hmm. It was not, it, I blew it up more in my mind than it was in reality. Because that's, that's what okay. we do. <laughs> right. And it helped me prepare. And that's one of the things we talk about in the recovery community is that if we're going to an event or going to be put in a situation that might be triggering, the best we can do is plan it out ahead of time. Yes. And thinking through that is what helped me plan that out ahead of time. So I made sure I figured, you know, of course there'd be water there. I brought a water bottle just so I would have my own beverage just in case. So I felt more comfortable being in that situation. Once I got there, there were many women who either weren't drinking anything or they were drinking water or it didn't matter what they were drinking because the event was about celebrating the women who were there. Right. That's a great point as well. You have so many good points. <laughs> There's a well, reason you. why you're on the show. <laughs> um, the other point that you made is about planning ahead and, mm -hmm. and um, how we need to do that. And not just for those that are in recovery, but in general, like if we can plan ahead to something that we think is going to be a stressful situation and how we want to handle it instead of going into that situation, almost blindsiding ourselves and then reacting. That's a, that's a beautiful place to be able to be in, in, in all that we do. Right. I'm a firm believer in visualization. Of course, that's a piece of manifesting and living out our dreams and putting our goals in actionable items that we can easily achieve. One of the tools that helps me with seeing out, seeing how these things are going to play out was to acknowledge what I need. And by saying I need support and talking to myself and listing out what that meant, then I had a friend who came with me. I was able to talk with her ahead of time and kind of own my vulnerabilities and say, I'm not completely comfortable in these types of situations yet. Will you go with me? Will you uh, talk me down if I start getting anxious? And I had to do that ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't comfortable, but it's a good friend. And I knew she would be completely supportive Sometimes it's putting ourselves out there and sharing what doubts and fears we have, rational or irrational, and then recruiting a buddy to go along with us. So we aren't walking that journey alone. Right. And as, as humans in general, but women specifically, we, we don't ask for that kind of what we need and the help in those situations. We just 
power through it the best we can. Absolutely. Kudos to you for being vulnerable enough to ask for help. And I, I hope that more women hear that message and act upon because of sharing the story. So thank you for sharing all of this information. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Um, I, uh, when we first got on, I asked if there was anything specific that you wanted to talk about. And one of the things that you said was the mindful recovery program. So I would really love to hear more about that. And, uh, what is it that we need to know about your mindful recovery program? The first thoughts I had when starting my business, mindful leadership, a little over a year ago was being adamant about not going into recovery coaching. Because I'm a leadership coach, many people assumed that because I was also public and transparent about my sobriety, that recovery coaching would be part of it. I was adamant that I wasn't ready, which was absolutely true. And I didn't realize that at that point, when I started mindful leadership, I was, let's see, I would be eight months sober, which is successful. Of course, I was still actively recovering to a degree that I did not feel confident in serving others who were also on that journey. For the first year now that mindful leadership has been been running, there's been something nagging that there's more, there's more, there's more. And I could not figure out what that was supposed to mean. Um, And then I, I realized that I am ready to start offering recovery coaching. I know that recovery looks different for everyone. I also know that the more access we have to a variety of recovery-oriented programs, the more successful we are in picking and choosing, really creating our own adventure in terms of what that looks like. So my approach to mindful recovery, which will be an extension of mindful leadership, will be group coaching that will combine research and data-driven leadership programs, such as the Leadership Challenge. So there'll be a component that will be behavior-based and evidence-based, but it will also pull in recovery model frameworks, such as SMART Recovery. There are other programs through uh, not just Smart Recovery, but I'm in training right now with the Connecticut Center for Addiction Recovery as a recovery coach. So it takes the content of understanding really the alignment of our head from the cognitive processes, our heart from the emotive processes, really our habits, which become the action uh, processes and putting those all in alignment. So recover, mindful recovery programs, will the, it will start with offering weekly virtual smart recovery meetings. And smart recovery is a free resource. It's available internationally. 
So those meetings will be free and those will be starting in a private Facebook group in December um, that I, a, a group that I'm already administering. So they will, they will be the, the testers for that. And then that will expand to include a, a international virtual audience beginning in January. For those individuals who seek to supplement the weekly meetings, then there will be assembled groups. So mindful recovery groups where it will be the weekly meeting plus. And that plus might look like assessments. It might look like pulling in the Enneagram or doing DISC behavior assessments or doing a guided reading of Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. So because I've been a former college faculty member and I've had 30 years of experience in HR and organizational development and leadership development, plus I have this added lived experience as a sober leader, people can literally pick and choose the frameworks that work for them and own their own recovery by choosing what it looks like for them. So that's what mindful recovery will look like when that fully launches in January. So I'm very excited about it. It's a new approach to recovery that allows people to access thoughts and habits and behavior and those types of processes that really haven't been integrated within a recovery model previously. That is incredibly exciting. Thank you. I'm, I, I'm very excited about it. And, you know, we, we talk in, in some of the recovery groups that I am already a part of, we look at atomic habits and do an in-depth analysis of how the book Atomic Habits applies to recovery. And Brene Brown's newest book will be coming out November 30th called Atlas of the Heart. I will be doing a free reading club for Atlas of the Heart. And that will really play out in both the leadership, mindful leadership work and mindful recovery work. Because our heart, understanding what our heart and mapping that out is a big piece of both a leadership experience and a recovery experience. So it will be looking at what other resources do I have access to that I can build a curriculum around and be able to share with individuals, whether they're recovering from a toxic workplace or an unhealthy relationship, or an addictive substance? How can they make recovery work for them? I love that. Do you do most of your work group coaching through uh, online platforms, or do you meet in person, or a combination of the two? It will be a combination of the two. I will begin the mindful recovery virtual simply because it'll be in December, January, and the travel logistics get a little bit less predictable that time of year. I also have a network of international leaders who are seeking resources that they don't have available to them necessarily in their own country. So to be able to provide a virtual space gives them the environment where they feel safe 
being able to take part. There are certainly pockets where it makes sense to host in-person meetings, whether that's in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa City area or the Des Moines area. Those might not be weekly in-person meetings, but there may be a component to host those on a monthly basis, just so you have the best of both worlds for those who are more comfortable in a virtual space and for those who choose to deepen that connection through a face-to-face -face engagement. That's perfect. You also do training within corporate organizations, right? Correct. And that is through my relationship with the international best-selling book, The Leadership Challenge. I am a certified master for The Leadership Challenge and the five practices of exemplary leadership. And as a certified master, I've been endorsed by the authors to be able to custom blend leadership solutions for individuals, for teams, for organizations, so they can create and offer a leadership development model that fits whatever immediate, but also future leadership challenges they might be facing in their companies. That's kind of exciting too. That is, and there's so <laughs> many areas of overlap that I was not aware of when I started both of these journeys. The five practices of exemplary leadership for the leadership challenge are model the way, inspire a shared vision, challenge the process, enable others to act, and encourage the heart. All five practices have an integral role in my sobriety journey also. Modeling the way is about knowing what you value and aligning your behavior with your values. Inspiring a shared vision is what does, for me, what does being a sober leader look like? How do I express my excitement and get other people involved in helping me live out that vision. Challenge the process is about doing things differently and interrupting thought patterns and behaviors that are no longer serving me. Enabling others to act is incorporating a spirit of paying it forward. So by helping others identify their leadership challenges, or their self-leadership challenges, then I'm able to equip them to continue to move their journeys forward. And finally, encourage the heart is celebrating and elevating the small wins and grandiose accomplishments so that we continue to celebrate each other and the differences that we make at home, at work, and in life. So those five practices of exemplary leadership really are five practices for living, loving, and leading an exemplary life. Mm, that's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, will you have a link or something for the, the when Atlas comes out? Um, will you have something available for people if they want to just join on that first? Is there a link that we can have for the group that you've got in case people want to? Absolutely. Okay. The best Perfect. way to receive notifications about that is to visit my website, www.angiechaplin.com and sign up for the announcements. There will be a pop-up 
and it's just entering your email, then they'll be sure to get on the mailing list and there'll be updates, announcements, letting people know when to get signed up for the book club, when new mindful recovery groups will be taking place. So that will be a central point of signing up for notifications for all of the various programs. Perfect. I think I want to join in on the book club for Atlas. Please do. Yes. That would be so amazing. And I'm usually leading the book clubs. So it'll be nice to be a participant in a book club. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. The book gets released on November 30th. We will do the guided reading group in February. And I chose February because it's Atlas of the Heart. And February is just a good old heart month. And I wanted to give people time to get the book, whether it's on their holiday gift giving or gift receiving list and kind of get past the hubbub of the holidays and let people kind of get grounded into 2022 Mm -hmm. then we will kick off that group in February. And that is a free guided reading club. So it'll just be, I'll assign certain pages and say, we'll meet and we'll include weekly virtual meetings just as a book club typically does with guided reflection questions and talking about our key takeaways. So it'll be a great way to share some content but also share a connection. And one of the lessons learned from the past year and a half has been how deeply needed and how much we crave connection. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) That was one of the things that I personally had been struggling with was the ability to connect with people. I have you know, a finite number of close, close friends. And even among those close friends, I still, there's not one that knows anything and everything there is to know. Right. And and it's scary to think that that's possible. (laughs) That's right. But, But it's also so incredibly necessary. We cannot do this journey alone. That's right. There is a great quote by uh, Johan Hari, if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, and it's a TED talk, and it talks about that the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. The opposite of addiction is human connection. Oh, yeah. And when we lack human connection, whether that's one-to-one or one-to-many, whether that's a high tech connection, like the virtual space, or whether that's a high touch connection, meaning face-to-face or or interpersonally, when we lack that connection, we seek to fill that void with something else, be that substances or be that thoughts or patterns of behavior. By addressing our need for human connection, And keeping that as the center in grounding our values around that craving, we are better able to build our own structures and support to keep us focused in not needing to fill a void because we are already filled. God, that's beautiful. That's so true. So true. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple of closing questions for you. Okay. The first one is of the books that you've already read which one would you recommend? 
I love the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I did a reading club for Untamed, gosh, a year ago now. And it is a book, Glennon Doyle is also sober. So she's got the recovery angle and her book is a memoir. So it pulls in her experiences, but it is so powerful in knowing ourselves as a woman and leaning into what makes us powerful. I love it. That book has been impactful in many ways. Um, Last question. What is the advice that you would give to the next generation of women? I would ask, I would invite the next generation of women leaders to explore, express, and experience their values by living them out loud. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's beautiful. Good. I think it's also some great advice for this generation of women as well. And I have two boys, so I can't say that I'm giving advice to women in the next generation, but my boys have been tasked with the same invitation to live out their values uh, out loud. And I can safely and proudly say that they are doing exactly just that. That's wonderful. Beautiful. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute joy to have you on our show. Thank today. you, Rena. This has been yeah the highlight of my day. So I am grateful to you for sharing this space. Mm, thank you so much. Yes. Much love to you. You as well. We will have the uh, links to your website, your, your socials and, uh, anything else that you want us to put into the show notes and we will see all of you beautiful women very, very soon. And by see, I mean here, you're going to listen to me talk to other beautiful women very shortly. So you all have a wonderful day and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you. A special thank you to our sponsors for making this episode possible.